Well, good morning. Um, we are working our way through the book of First Corinthians uh, today, uh, and it's fun to kind of get a feel uh, of the letter of First Corinthians. It's going to be fun to, to follow the twists and the turns. This was originally written as a letter, right? So a letter has a beginning, an introduction, an end, um, and, and we get to kind of follow that with the flow uh, of our weeks throughout this, uh, throughout this series. Um, and, and move sequentially through it. Um, today, we're looking at the third chapter of First Corinthians. So I invite you to, gra- uh, to grab your Bible, uh, point your device to First uh, Corinthians chapter 3. Um, and as we, uh, as we read through this passage, we're going to um, today read through uh, verse 16, from, from verse 1 through verse 16. Out of uh, respect for the reading of God's Word, I'm going to ask that you stand up if you're able, uh, and we're going to read through these uh, verses. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. It says this, Brothers and sisters, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people, but like unspiritual people, like babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink instead of solid food because you weren't up to it yet. Now you are still not up to it because you are still unspiritual. When jealousy and fighting exist between you, aren't you unspiritual and living by human standards? When someone says, I belong to Paul, and someone else says, I belong to Apollos, aren't you acting like people without the Spirit? After all, what is Apollos? What is Paul? They are servants who helped you to believe Each one had a role given to them by the Lord. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but the only one who is anything is God who makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together, but each one will receive their own reward for their own labor. We are God's co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building. I laid a foundation like a wise master builder according to God's grace that was given to me, but someone else is building on top of it. Each person needs to pay attention to the way that they build on it. No one can lay any other foundation besides the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So whether someone builds on top of the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, or hay, each one's work will be clearly shown. The day will make it clear because it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work survives, they'll get a reward. But if anyone's work goes up in the flames, they'll lose it. However, they themselves will be saved as if they had gone through a fire. Don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you? This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, as we move sequentially through this book, as we, as we begin to understand, I think it's going to be important for us to, from time to time, uh, kind of take a look back at, at the previous chapters. I hope we see the major themes of this book and, and what Paul is trying to teach us and how God is instructing us and moving forward. So it's important to keep in mind what we've already covered as we move forward. So uh, chapter one, we talked about just the, the craziness of God's plan. It's just the folly that it is that God would say, I'm going to send a Messiah to earth, 
and he's going to be crucified. <laughs> this is not how you start political revolution. This is not how you change the world. You don't start with uh, someone who is labeled as a criminal and executed by man. What foolishness it is. And he talks about the folly of, of, of who he calls, that he calls us to be partners with him. Chapter 2, we talked about last week, uh, and we talked about God's wisdom. We talked about how the Spirit of Christ is what actually unlocks and unleashes God's wisdom, that, that we can tend to, to live in our own wisdom, in human wisdom, and that it's God's Spirit that unlocks the Spirit of, or the wisdom of God. But as we take a look at this letter as a whole, and, and we don't really follow the big numbers in the text, you know, we kind of divide it up by chapters, and we kind of take a look uh, at chapters kind of separate or, or different paragraphs um, where they, they give different headings. Um, but we want to take a look at this, ledger, this letter from, from a larger view, kind of step back and take a look. Um, as you look at that in these first three chapters, Paul's still making his first point. Paul's still hammering away on the same thing. He hasn't left what he talked about uh, at the very beginning. Um, and, and to just show you, uh, if you still have your Bibles open, which I don't, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to skip back here, and I want to read it, so I shouldn't have closed my Bible. Um, but 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he, and he talks about the same thing that he's covering in chapter 3. He talks about these rival groups. It starts in verse 10, right? And, and he talks uh, in verse 12, he says this. What I mean is this. Each one of you says, I belong to Paul. I belong to Apollos. I belong to Cephas. I belong to Christ. He's still making the same point. He's just finally getting around to it. Have you ever, know, ever known a preacher to be long-winded? Careful what you say, Tom Gill. Um, the, the Paul's just getting around to his point. He's building this argument of what what's happening in the church. That there's these groups that are saying, well, I'm following Paul. I'm following Apollos. I, 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 I like to follow what Cephas said. And, and already, this book was written midway through the first century. Midway through the first century, and already people of the Corinthian church are saying, "Yeah, I kind of like this mindset. I like this mindset. And as you think about where Corinth is in the middle of Greece, where, where we have these amazing thinkers who set up these schools of thought and taught, these, taught their followers their way of thinking, this is Greek culture. Find your teacher. Identify with them. Follow them. Believe what they say. This was happening in the church. And this is what Paul was hearing about as he heard about the church in Corinth and he said, this isn't right, this isn't the way. We don't follow man. But we build our foundation upon Christ. And, and all of these rival groups and different thoughts and different attitudes had seeped their way into the church. Thankfully, there's none of that going on in America today. That's sarcasm there. Uh, actually, that's exactly what's happening today. That's exactly. The, the world is pulling us in all sorts of directions. It wants to, to label who you're for. It wants to label who you're against. It wants to identify you and, and categorize you. 
And the unfortunate thing is that it, it, it's human nature to, to participate in, to, in that. It's human nature to get caught up in all of that, to, to have a statement, to make a point. And, and today we, we don't look much different than that. We get sucked in. And I want to tell you this, as your pastor, the way of Christ is the way of love. The way of Christ is the way of love. If, if you find someone that, that doesn't have a, a loving approach, while they may agree with you, we need to step back. We need to step back. I think so often in, in the ways that the world's trying to pull us, it wants to identify who we are and, and label everybody else as the other. And how you treat the other is kind of what's free reign in the world today. That we don't need to have decency. That we don't need to have respect. And it breaks my heart that there are good people on, on both sides of both issues. Um, and, and both issues. All the issues. Um, and yet, in the rhetoric, they take postures that, that, are, that are not loving, that, that, that break and tear people down. Um, that's not my sermon today. I, I, I apologize for that. But, but it's important, I think, for us as the body of Christ to represent Christ well. And if I can just offer that as a guide, the love of Christ being our guide, then that will help us. And that's how we avoid the Corinthian error, the, the, the factioning up, the, the getting into rival groups. Um, we can talk about all sorts of things, things as silly as masks. The way of Christ is the way of love. Um, Back to Corinth. <laughs> this is what's going on. We, we have people who are following Paul. We have people who are following Apollos. I believe in this guy. I believe in that guy. In chapter 1, Paul even uses him himself. He uses Christ. He uses Cephas. I think sometimes we get caught up in, in following people. That that's easy to do that uh, we uh, fall in lockstep with a charismatic leader or someone that we respect, and that's a dangerous place. That the person who it's safe to follow is the person of Jesus Christ. And that we look to the Word and, and, and that we allow the Word to shape us, not that we master this text, but the text masters us. In verse 4, he says, what's the evidence of, of people who, who have turned and followed people? The, the, the people who have said, I'm going to follow Paul, I'm going to follow Apollos. What's the evidence of that or what's the outcome of that? It says, the Spirit is not in you. That the Spirit has lost its influence upon you. And what did chapter 2 say about the Spirit of God? That the Spirit of God is what unlocks the wisdom of God. We need the Spirit. And the Spirit points us to Christ. The Spirit points us back to God. It doesn't divide us. It doesn't cause us to, to um, hold on to our opinions so tightly that we allow relationship to be broken. Paul says the Spirit is not in play. 
and that you've missed it. Paul then moves on to use a couple metaphors to help us understand. Okay, The first one is a, is a farming metaphor. Um, surprises you, but I'm not a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I pretty much can't keep anything that's green alive for very long. Um, but, but Paul says... I. There's a there's a corrective role here. There there's a there's a a metaphor that helps us in in uh, in agriculture for people who are on their journey of faith. We're designed to help one another. That that Paul was the planter. That Apollos was the waterer. That we work together to to see this plant grow and come to life and bear fruit in the world. And Paul says, all these people who are doing this, they don't, they don't amount to something. They don't amount to something. Only the one who makes it grow. I'll tell you that <laughs> like the Corinthian church who were saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, the people who serve on staff here, myself, Pastor Debbie, Pastor Val, Adriana. We don't want people saying, I follow, I follow Trent. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> that's not a good idea. <laughs> you can ask my wife. You can ask me. We'll tell you it's not, it's not a good idea. I think of faithful ministry in this church from years gone by. Pastor Tustin, Pastor O'Neill, Metcalfs, Lobdells. None of them wanted to, you to say, I follow this person. Because all of us who plant, all of us who water, amount to nothing. But it's the one who makes it grow. That's the one worth following. That's the one who deserves the glory and deserves the credit. And that's the that's what we live for. That's who we follow. And that's the one who makes the difference. The second metaphor he uses is a construction metaphor. Um, have any of you heard of the the scary acronym HGTV? I think it stands for Home and Garden Television. But what it really stands for is Home and Garden Give My Wife a Bunch of Ideas Television. Um, I'm a little more comfortable with this one. I, I, I delve into construction and, and home projects a little bit. And actually, I love HGTV. I like to give my wife a hard time about that. But, um, but what I've learned, what I've learned through my projects and through my mistakes and through my fails and through actually sometimes uh, it, it, <laughs> it going right, is that you can do a job right and you can do a job wrong. That you can use materials that are worthy of construction, or you can use materials that fall apart really quick. Um, and, and Paul talks about this. It's, it's so important with with what you build in this journey of faith that it has a solid foundation, that it uses the right materials, that it's worth its weight, that it will stand up to the tests that will come. We're not promised an easy road in this life in fact we're told that the storms will come that the dark nights are on their way um, and using a solid foundation and using the proper materials uh, is is so important because in your projects in your construction it will be tested and in our house it's usually by a toddler uh, and sometimes 
<laughs> doesn't work, falls apart. What's Paul's point here? What is he getting at? He, he started in chapter 1, and he talked about these factions, and then he, he moved into just the folly of this. That, that If you take a look at it from man's perspective, that, that it's really an interesting and poorly laid out plan. God, come on, a crucified Messiah. And then he talked about the spirit unlocking the wisdom of God. And he's come full circle back to these rival groups, back to these different opinions. And he says, I'm going to come to a point here. All right. And I'm going to, I'm going to reveal what it means and how we ought to live in the church. Uh, And he's coming to this point. Um, and some of you, we have different translations sometimes that we read. I, I've been reading from the Common English Bible uh, as, as I've read text. There's, there's another translation in the NIV that, that headers this section of Scripture with this interesting label. It says, the church and its leaders. And, and not to pick on the NIV, um, but I, I think that that's, that's not the right not the right label for this section. And I'm glad that other uh, translations have kind of changed that. But I, I think that tends to, to get us off the hook a little bit. Not me as pastor, but, but maybe the rest of us. Where, where it talks about building on the foundation being something that, that pastors get to do. Yeah. I'm a pastor. And look at me and look at look at what I can build and and look at this church that I'm growing. I'll tell you folks, that's not that's not my angle. It's not what I'm here to do. I think that all of us build on the foundation of faith that there's two points here that that are super important. The first of this, first of which is this. We are all responsible for what we build upon the foundation of our faith, which is Christ. We are all responsible for the for what we build on the foundation of our faith, which is Jesus Christ. Um, that's not my job. Your faith is not my job. My job is to help you. I hope that I help you. I hope that as we go to the Word together, that you're encouraged, that you're that you're challenged by the Word of God. For, but what you build is your responsibility. The second is this. Second thing is this. We all help one another grow in the journey of faith. That it's not just the pastor's job. That it's not just our job to to lead you and guide you, but that you participate in one another's growth. Uh, to the church in Ephesus, Paul wrote a, a different letter. It's found in Ephesians, right? Um, and in that in that letter, he says Paul would charge the the leaders of the church to equip. God's people to do the work of ministry. I'll tell you, we give, we try to give opportunities for you to lean in to ministry and what that looks like. Um, the groups that we have going on from ladies Bible study to the young adult group to the life groups that we have, there are ways for you to journey with the other people of this church in their spiritual walk. And that's so important. It's so important that you have community, community that's real enough to to talk and to share. Community where you say, this is what I'm struggling with. I need prayer. I need help. And Paul is saying that 
that is what we are for one another. That is how we journey together. And it all leads to this beautiful conclusion that we read. It says this, don't you know that you are God's temple? Don't you know that you are God's temple? Now, this has been translated in in lots of ways, and I think oftentimes it, it, it kind of says, well, I'm God's temple. Isn't that cool? God, God lives in me by the Holy Spirit. And certainly that's true. But there's a little translation issue here with that interpretation of the scripture. That word you is actually like use. It's, it's y'all. Don't you know that y'all are, are God's temple? It's you with an S. We don't get plural and singular in the word you in the English language. In the Greek, they can say that. And that's what they're saying, that that you all together are the temple of God, that we together are God's temple. And that as we gather and as we meet and as we share, whether it's in this context where there's 80 of us or however many there are this morning, or whether it's two or three or maybe it's a small group of people, you are God's temple. The gathered body of Christ becomes the temple of God, the place where the soil is cultivated, the place where we're encouraged, the place where we're challenged to think a little bigger than ourselves, the place where we're we're encouraged to grow and say, I've never thought about it that way. I've never considered it from that point of view. Paul says again, God's spirit lives in you. This is the spirit that unlocks the wisdom of God that he was just talking about in chapter 2 that's so necessary that when we say, I follow this guy or I follow that guy or this is my position, Paul says that doesn't sound like the spirit. That somewhere we've lost the spirit. Paul focuses on the we in the community of faith. We stopped reading before we got there, but the end of this chapter concludes with this amazing uh, promise to us. He says, everything belongs to you, whether, whether it's from Paul, whether it's from Apollo, Cephas, the world, life or death, the present, the future. It all belongs to you, Paul says to the Corinthian church. But he says this, but you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. I'll tell you, church, nothing more gives me hope like that statement. There's nothing else that, that's worth saying. There's nothing, worth, there's nothing more that, that's, that's worth sharing today but to say that, that all of this creation God has given to us, but you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. There's hope to be found in that. There's joy to be found in that today. Amen? Amen.